Section 42 of Fabiola by Nicholas Patrick Cardinal Wiseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Part Second Conflict. Chapter 23. The Fight. The morning broke light and frosty, and the sun, glittering on the gilded ornaments of the temples and other public buildings, seemed to array them in holiday splendor. And the people, too, soon came forth into the streets in their gayest attire, decked out with unusual richness. The various streams converged towards the Flavian Amphitheatre, now better known by the name of the Colosseum. Each one directs his steps to the arch indicated by the number of his ticket, and thus the huge monster keeps sucking in by degrees that stream of life, which soon animates and enlivens its oval tiers over tiers of steps till its interior is tapestried all round with human faces, and its walls seem to rock and wave to and fro, by the swaying of the living mass. And, after this shall have been gorged with blood, and inflamed with fury, it will melt once more, and rush out in a thick continuous flow through the many avenues by which it entered, now bearing their fitting name of Vomitoria, for never did a more polluted stream of the dregs and pests of humanity issue from an unbecoming reservoir, through ill-sorted channels, than the Roman mob, drunk with the blood of martyrs, gushing forth from the pores of the splendid amphitheatre. The emperor came to the games surrounded by his court, with all the pomp and circumstance which befitted an imperial festival, keen as any of his subjects to witness the cruel games, and to feed his eyes with a feast of carnage. His throne was on the eastern side of the amphitheatre, where a large space called the Povenar was reserved, and richly decorated for the imperial court. Various sports succeeded one another, and many a gladiator, killed or wounded, had sprinkled the bright sand with blood, when the people, eager for fiercer combats, began to call, or roar, for the Christians and the wild beasts. It is time, therefore, for us to think of our captives. Before the citizens were astir, they had been removed from the prison to a strong chamber called the spoliatorium, the press-room, where their fetters and chains were removed. An attempt was made to dress them gaudily as heathen priests and priestesses, but they resisted, urging that as they had come spontaneously to fight, it was unfair to make them appear in a disguise which they abhorred. During the early part of the day they remained thus together, encouraging one another, and singing the divine praises, in spite of the shouts which drowned their voices from time to time. While they were thus engaged, Corvinus entered, and with a look of insolent triumph thus accosted Pancratius. Thanks to the gods, the day is come which I have long desired. It has been a tiresome and tough struggle between us. Who should fall uppermost? I have won it. How sayest thou, Corvinus? When and how have I contended with thee? Always, everywhere, thou hast haunted me in my dreams. Thou hast danced before me like a meteor, and I have tried in vain to grasp thee. Thou hast been my tormentor, my evil genius. I have hated thee, devoted thee to the infernal gods, Curse thee and loathe thee, and now my day of vengeance is come. Methinks, replied Pancratius, smiling, this does not look like a combat. It has been all on one side, for I have done none of these things towards thee. No, thinkest thou that I believe thee, when thou hast lain ever as a viper on my path, to bite my heel and overthrow me? Where, I again ask? Everywhere, I repeat at school, in the Lady Agnes's house, in the Forum, in the cemetery, in my father's own court, at Crematius's villa, yes, everywhere. But nowhere else but where thou hast named? 
when thy chariot was dashed furiously along the appian way didst thou not hear the tramp of horses hoofs trying to overtake thee wretch exclaimed the prefect's son in a fury and was it thy accursed steed which purposely urged forward frightened mine and nearly caused my death no corvinus hear me calmly it is the last time we shall speak together i was travelling quietly with a companion towards rome after having paid the last rites to our master cassanius corvinus winced for he knew not this before when i heard the clatter of a runaway chariot and then indeed i put spurs to my horse and it is well for thee that i did how so because i reached thee just in time when thy strength was nearly exhausted and thy blood almost frozen by repeated plunges in the cold canal and when thy arm already benumbed had let go its last stay and thou wast falling backwards for the last time into the water i saw thee i knew thee as i took hold of thee insensible i had in my grasp the murderer of one most dear to me divine justice seemed to have overtaken him there was only my will between him and his doom it was my day of vengeance and i fully gratified it ha and how pray by drawing thee out and laying thee on the bank and chaffing thee till the heart resumed its functions and then consigning thee to thy servants rescued from death thou liest screamed corvinus my servants told me that they drew me out and did they give thee my knife together with thy leopard skin purse which i found on the ground after i had dragged thee forth no they said the purse was lost in the canal it was a leopard skin purse the gift of an african sorceress what sayest thou of the knife that it is here see it still rusty with water thy purse i gave to thy slaves my own knife i retained for myself look at it again dost thou believe me now have i been always a viper on thy path too ungenerous to acknowledge that he had been conquered in the struggle between them Corvinus only felt himself withered, degraded, before his late schoolfellow, crumbled like a clod of dust in his hands. His very heart seemed to him to blush. He felt sick and staggered, hung down his head and sneaked away. He cursed the games, the emperor, the yelling rabble, the roaring beasts, his horses and chariot, his slaves, his father, himself, everything and everybody except one. He could not, for his life, curse Pancratius. He had reached the door when the youth called him back. He turned and looked at him with a glance of respect, almost approaching to love. Pancratius put his hand on his arm and said, Corvinus, I have freely forgiven thee. There is one above who cannot forgive without repentance. Seek pardon from him. If not, I foretell to thee this day that by whatsoever death I die, thou shalt one day perish. Corvinus slunk away and appeared no more that day. He lost the sight on which his coarse imagination had gloated for days, which he had longed for during months. When the holiday was over, he was found by his father completely intoxicated. It was the only way he knew of drowning remorse. As he was leaving the prisoners, the lanista, or master of the gladiators, entered the room and summoned them to the combat. They hastily embraced one another and took leave on earth. They entered the arena, or pit of the amphitheatre, opposite the imperial seat, and had to pass between two files of venators, or huntsmen, who had the care of the wild beasts, each armed with a heavy whip, wherewith he inflicted a blow on every one as he went by him. 
they were then brought forward singly or in groups as the people desired or the directors of the spectacle chose sometimes the intended prey was placed on an elevated platform to be more conspicuous at another time he was tied up to posts to be more helpless a favorite sport was to bundle up a female victim in a net and expose her to be ruled tossed or gored by wild cattle one encounter with a single wild beast often finished the martyr's course while occasionally three or four were successfully let loose without their inflicting a mortal wound the confessor was then either remanded to prison for further torments or taken back to the spoliatorium where the gladiator's apprentices amused themselves with dispatching him but we must content ourselves with following the last steps of our youthful hero pancratius as he was passing through the corridor that led to the amphitheatre he saw sebastian standing on one side with a lady closely enwrapped in her mantle and veiled he at once recognized her stopped before her knelt and taking her hand affectionately kissed it bless me dear mother he said in this your promised hour see my child the heavens she replied and look up thither where christ with his saints expecteth thee fight the good fight for thy soul's sake and show thyself faithful and steadfast in thy saviour's love remember him to whose precious relic thou bearest round thy neck his price shall be doubled in thine eyes my sweet mother ere many hours are over on on and let us have none of this fooling exclaimed lanista adding a stroke of his cane lucina retreated while sebastian pressed the hand of her son and whispered in his ear courage dearest boy may god bless you i shall be close behind the emperor give me a last look there and your blessing ha 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 broke out a fiendish tone close behind him was it a demon's laugh he looked behind and caught only a glimpse of a fluttering cloak rounding a pillar who could it be he guessed not it was fulvius who in those words had got the last link in a chain of evidence that he had long been weaving that sebastian was certainly a christian pancratius soon stood in the midst of the arena the last of the faithful band he had been reserved in hopes that the sight of others sufferings might shake his constancy but the effect had been the reverse he took his stand where he was placed and his yet delicate frame contrasted with the swarthy and brawny limbs of the executioners who surrounded him they now left him alone and we cannot better describe him than eusebius an eyewitness does a youth a few years older you might have seen a tender youth who had not yet entered his twentieth year standing without feathers with his hands stretched forth in the form of a cross and praying to god most attentively with a fixed and untrembling heart not retiring from the place where he first stood nor swerving the least while bears and leopards breathing fury and death in their very snort were just rushing on to tear his limbs in pieces and yet i know not how their jaws seemed seized and closed by some divine and mysterious power and they drew altogether back such was the attitude and such the privilege of our heroic youth the mob were frantic as they saw one wild beast after another careering madly around him roaring and lashing its sides with its tail while he seemed placed in a charmed circle which they could not approach a furious bull let loose upon him dashed madly forward with his neck bent down then stopped suddenly as though he had struck his head against the wall pawed the ground and scattered the dust around him bellowing furiously provoke him thou coward 
roared out still louder the enraged emperor pancratius awoke as from a trance and waving his arms ran towards his enemy but the savage brute as if a lion had been rushing on him turned round and ran away towards the entrance where meeting his keeper he tossed him high into the air all were disconcerted except the brave youth who had resumed his attitude of prayer when one of the crowd shouted out he has a charm round his neck he is a sorcerer the whole multitude re-echoed the cry till the emperor having commanded silence called out to him take that amulet from thy neck and cast it from thee or it shall be done more roughly for thee sire replied the youth with a musical voice that rang sweetly through the hushed amphitheatre it is no charm that i wear but a memorial of my father who in this very place made gloriously the same confession which i now humbly make i am a christian and for the love of jesus christ god and man i gladly give my life do not take from me this only legacy which i have bequeathed richer than i received it to another try once more it was a panther which gave him his crown perhaps it will bestow the same on me for an instant there was dead silence the multitude seemed softened one the graceful form of the gallant youth his now inspired countenance the thrilling music of his voice the intrepidity of his speech and his generous self-devotion to his cause had wrought upon that cowardly herd pancratius felt it and his heart quailed before their mercy more than before their rage he had promised himself heaven that day was he to be disappointed tears started into his eyes as stretching forth his arms once more in the form of a cross he called aloud in a tone that again vibrated through every heart to-day oh yes to-day most blessed lord is the appointed day of thy coming tarry not longer enough has thy power been shown in me to them that believe not in thee show now thy mercy to me who in thee believe the panther shouted out a voice the panther responded twenty the panther thundered forth a hundred thousand in a chorus like the roaring of an avalanche a cage started up as if by magic from the midst of the sand and as it rose its side fell down and freed the captive of the desert with one graceful bound the elegant savage gained its liberty and though enraged by darkness confinement and hunger it seemed almost playful as it leaped and turned about frisked and gambolled noiselessly on the sand at last it caught sight of its prey all its feline cunning and cruelty seemed to return and to conspire together in animating the cautious and treacherous movements of its velvet-clothed frame the whole amphitheatre was as silent as if it had been a hermit's dell while every eye was intent watching the stealthy approaches of the sleek brute to its victim pancratius was still standing in the same place facing the emperor apparently so absorbed in higher thoughts as not to heed the movements of his enemy the panther had stolen round him as if disdaining to attack him except in front crouching upon its breast slowly advancing one paw before another it had gained its measured distance and there it lay for some moments a breathless suspense a deep snarling growl an elastic spring through the air and it was seen gathered up like a leech with its hind feet on the chest and its fang and foreclaws on the throat of the martyr he stood erect for a moment brought his right hand to his mouth and looking up at sebastian with a smile directed to him by a graceful wave of his arm the last salutation of his lips and fell the arteries of the neck had been severed 
and the slumber of martyrdom at once settled on his eyelids his blood softened brightened enriched and blended inseparably with that of his father which lucina had hung about his neck the mother's sacrifice had been accepted End of section 42